You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I want to start this morning by asking you a couple of questions, okay? Uh, first question I want to ask you is, do you remember, okay, you with me, you thinking? Do you remember the first time you ever witnessed hypocrisy? Do you remember that? Do you remember the first time that you ever said to yourself, man, that person appears to be one thing, but in reality, I think they're really somebody else. Do you remember the first time you saw hypocrisy in the church? I was, I was raised in this small Kentucky town in a small Nazarene church. And, and we had uh, some dark moments when I was a kid in the life of that church. We had a church split that kind of turned into a church fight. And so people chose sides. Like some people were saying, no, we're, we're going to support the pastor and stand by him. And there was another group of people that said, we just want the pastor to leave. And then there was another group of people who didn't want to take sides, but in reality formed a third side. In that they said, we're not choosing any sides, but that was hard to do too. And so it was really bad. There were like people showing up at church on Sunday and they weren't speaking to each other. And then you were hearing about people saying really bad things about each other. And there were some things that happened in the parking lot at the church that was really ugly. And I remember one night at dinner, my mom says to us, had a brother and two sisters, so there were four of us kids. She says, you guys understand, don't you? That the enemy has us right where he wants us as a church. She said, how in the world, when we come together on Sunday, can God be honored with our worship? Or who in the world that doesn't know Jesus would ever want to become like us right now? And she said, we are ineffective as a church. And you get it, right? You understand it, right? You understand that this is the work of the enemy and he has us right where he wants us. I remember it all culminated when one Sunday morning, it's kind of comical now, but it wasn't funny then, but one Sunday morning, somebody put a bullet in the offering plate. And I think maybe they were trying to send the pastor a message. We're not sure what they were trying to say by it, but it was just very awkward. And I remember for the first time in my life, as a young boy who grew up in that church, now in my early, early teenage, junior high kid, I began to realize that some of these people that I had had confidence in all of my life, maybe, maybe they were not who I had thought they were. Maybe part of that was pretense. You understand that Jesus' most harsh words were reserved for hypocrites. In fact, if you want to grab your Bible and open it to Matthew 23, that's where we're going to be for the next several weeks. In Matthew 23, six times, Jesus calls the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hypocrites. Now, Jesus is a mild-mannered guy. And all of a sudden, you hear Jesus going, You hypocrites! And man, it just gets your attention because you don't expect this to come out of Jesus' mouth. But six times he says it with an exclamation point. You hypocrites! And then he calls them blind guides. And then he calls them snakes. <laughs> it gets worse. And then he says, you know what you are? You are a brood of vipers. I mean, this is Jesus saying this stuff. 
His strongest words ever were spoken to people who were hypocritical. And so let's let's read these words together. I'm going to, we're going to read through verse 14 today, okay? So beginning with verse 1. Here we go. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, so these are the people that he targets, they sit in Moses' seat. And what he's really saying was they sit in places of authority. So Jesus is saying these people have authority over you. Okay, now listen to what happens next. So you must obey them. And you must do everything they tell you. But listen to the next words. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. So you've got to obey them and you must do everything they tell you to do. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. I I grew up all my life hearing this phrase, Hey, buddy, you better practice what you preach. You ever heard that? And it comes from Matthew 23. So they tie up heavy loads and they put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do, everything they do is done for men to see. It's all about projecting this outward appearance. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Do you remember what phylacteries are? It comes from the law where there was a statement that said that you should bind the Word of God and tie it on your forehead and put it on the door frames of your house and bind it on your wrist. For hundreds of years after it was written, nobody took it literally. But hundreds of years later, Jewish people started putting a headband on their head. And on the front of it was attached a leather cube, a leather box. And inside the leather box, which was referred to as a phylactery, there were written scriptures on pieces of paper, folded up and put in the leather cube. If you Google phylacteries, images of, you'll see these Jewish people today with this cube on the front of their forehead right here. And they got a headband around their head holding it on. And Jesus says, you make your phylacteries really wide. The tassels on the garments he's talking about are the tassels that were to remind the Jewish people of the Ten Commandments. But you make yours really long. Everything is about appearance, outward appearance. It's what people see. You're trying to appear to be really holy. So you don't wear a small phylactery. You put on a really big phylactery. And you make the tassels on your robe, not regular length, but you make them really long. Because you're trying to appear to be really holy to people. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and have men call them rabbi. But they are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call any on, anyone on earth father. Um, you understand the spirit of the law and not the letter here. I don't think you should refrain from calling your biological dad your father. That's not the point. For you have only one Father, and He is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So listen to these last words that I'll share with you. Woe to you, 
teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Strong, strong words that we find from Jesus. You ever wonder what people who don't go to church think about people who do? Or do you feel like you have a pretty good idea? Sometimes I, I mess around on the internet and I look at what people say about us. And I'll just share one response with you this morning. A group of people who are between the ages 16 and 29 who do not attend church, do not profess to be Christian, were asked, what words you would use to describe people who do go to church, people who are Christian. And so it was not flattering, and it bothers me for a lot of reasons. But one of the words people use to describe people like us, people who are young and who do not go to church, they describe people like us often as judgmental. And sometimes I'm not surprised because sometimes I really get nervous when Christians who are conservative people get on television for one reason or another and they start making comments. I, I just want to say to everybody else, we're not all like that. Many of us are very loving people. But that was one of the words they used, judgmental. The, the other word they used is that we are anti-homosexual. You know why I hate that? Because it conveys something that's not true. It conveys something that says in people's minds that people like you and me, we don't love or care about people who are homosexual. And nothing is further than the truth. I hate it that people think that about us. That's not real. We love people. The word that I dislike most... The people who are 18 to 29 in the United States of America, when I ask about Christians, what words would you use to describe them? The one word I hate the most is they say we are hypocritical. Meaning that we don't live the way we say we live, that we're not really who we say we are. That we profess one thing, but in reality, we live another kind of life. We set ourselves up to be holy or righteous or good-hearted or kind, but in reality, we're just like everybody else. I don't like being viewed hypocritical. I've been haunted for a few years by the words of Gandhi, who when asked about the Christian faith, here was his response. I like their Christ, but I don't like their Christians. Because their Christians are not very much like their Christ. I like their Christ, Gandhi said, but I don't like their Christians because their Christians aren't very much like their Christ. So, so what is Jesus talking about when he begins to rail at these Pharisees and teachers of the law and call them hypocrites? So let me talk to you about the word hypocrite back in its, orig, uh, back in its uh, original language, back in its, it, the origin of the word I'm trying to say and I can't get it out. So I'm going to show you a few pictures and you tell me who you see on the screen and we'll talk about them a little bit, okay? Here's the first person I want you to see on the screen. You ready? Zorro. 
What, why did Zorro wear a mask? Anybody have any idea? He was trying to conceal his identity. That's right. Do you remember what his identity was? Was it Don Diego? I'm trying to remember. I think that's right. Let me show you another. Hey, everybody knows this one, right? Let me give you another one. Who would you think that is? It is not David Bond. It is a burglar. You are correct. And so why would a burglar wear a mask? Because he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. Let me give you another. Hey, we put that one up for the kids. Another one like it you might enjoy. This is for the 50 and over crowd. You ready? Here we go. Who is that? (laughs) So do you remember the Lone Ranger would wear the mask and he would perform some great heroic act and at the end of the show he would ride off into the sunset and somebody would always ask the question. Some of you are over 50, aren't you? Who was that masked man? So what's the idea of a mask? Let me give you one more image and we'll stop. When you see this image, what comes to your mind? Theater. It's what comes to my mind when I see it. In fact, the word hypocrite comes from the idea of Greek theater. And here's where it comes from. In ancient Greek theater, it was not uncommon for somebody to play more than one role in one play. Okay, so I'm in a play, and I'm in Greek theater, and I'm going to play this role. But it wasn't uncommon for me to say, I can take that role as well. And the only thing that I would do when I took up the other role is take a mask that was attached to a stick and I would hold it in front of my face and I would play the other role. And so I would hide my other identity behind the mask and I would play somebody else. And so the word in Greek, the ancient Greek language, hypocrites, simply means a stage actor. Or a pretender. Or someone who hides behind a mask. And so when Jesus has had it up to here with these guys, you know what he calls them? Hypocrites. You guys are phony. You're fake. You're actors. You're pretenders. You're not who you claim to be. You do not live the life that you claim to live. You are pretending to be somebody else, but in your hearts, you've got issues. And so what Jesus does is he qualifies it in this passage by simply saying that a hypocrite is somebody who does not practice what they preach. And believe me, When what you do and what your calling is that you stand up every week and you preach to people, those words get my attention. I understand we all have a message that we share, all of us who are Christian, but, you know, it just seems to hit a little closer to home in my life. And the other thing that Jesus says is simply this. It is a person who does everything that they do to be seen by men. It's all about outward appearance. Let me, let me talk to you about the Pharisees just for a couple of minutes, okay? And then we will move on and talk more about this idea of people being hypocritical. The, the, the Pharisees were people who 
um, interestingly enough, dedicated their entire life to keeping the law of God. Most of us in, you know, Christianity today do not have a good view of Pharisees. Uh, we use language like saying that person is pharisaical or, you know, that, that, that's not a good thing. We see them as being very legalistic people. But, but you've got to believe that there were some very good Pharisees along the way. I mean, think about it. This is a person who says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give my whole life to keeping the law. This is going to be my full-time job. I'm going to relinquish myself of any vocation. I'm going to separate myself from everything else in my society. And what I'm going to do is make my full-time job to honor God by keeping His rules and His commands with my life. I mean, that's, that's amazing to me that somebody would take something like that on. Here's, here's the problem. They were not just trying to keep the law of God, which is the Torah. Do you know what the Torah is? It would be considered the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so for the Hebrew people, they came to a point in their history where they said, we are the people of the law. It starts at the time of Ezra, the king. The law had been laid to the side. And the people of Israel said, we are reclaiming who we are. Our DNA, our heritage. We will be people of the law. And so as they progressed through their history, there became nothing more noble. No greater calling than to be a student of the law of God. And so when we come into the era that Jesus walked the earth... There became this group of people who were called the Pharisees. And they were viewed by other religious people as godly men who were committed deeply with burning passion to honor God with their lives. And so not only are they keeping the Torah, they're keeping the scribal law. The scribal law were result of scribes, people who said, we're going to help you interpret the law. You probably don't know how to understand it. And so when you read the commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy, we're going to help you know what that means. You can walk this far on the Sabbath day, but if you walk any further, then you've walked too far. It's considered work and you break the law. And so if a friend of yours has a cut on their arm on the Sabbath, you can put a bandage around it. That's okay. That's not work. But if you put ointment on it before you put the bandage, then that's work and you've broken the Sabbath law. And so what it ended up becoming were volumes and volumes of rules and regulations to try to honor God by keeping His law. This is what the Pharisees dedicated themselves to. If religion becomes nothing more than moral or behavioral compliance... keeping the rules. Then we all are tempted at the same point. And that is to say, would you look at how good I'm keeping the rules? I mean, seriously. I'm doing really good. And what is born in the heart of that person is pride and arrogance. In a sense that I'm much better than you. And that's what Jesus 
is talking to the Pharisees about in this passage. They always wanted the best seat in the synagogue. You know where the best seats were in the synagogue? Just guess. The front row. And I'm so glad that all of you are on the front row this morning. I do realize you're serving communion, but I don't think it's hypocritical of you to sit on the front row, even though you're serving communion today. I always hear people say, I went to a concert. How was it? Oh, I have front row seats. I don't hear people saying, I went to church. How was it? Oh, I have front row seats, you know. (laughs) I would love it if everybody loved to sit on the front row. And so they wanted places of honor. They wanted to be treated differently because they felt like they were truly better. Let me, let, me, let me chat with you for a few minutes. I, I wanted to hear this guy preach. His name is Buddy. And uh, he pastors a church, a Nazarene church. And his church has done really well. And I just heard a little bit about him. And he seemed a little bit mysterious to me. And I was at an event and I heard that he was going to be one of the speakers. And I was glad. I wanted to hear him speak. He was very gruff, I would say. In fact, his voice was kind of gruff. And he was raw in his delivery. It was almost like he wanted to shock me. I think the word I should use, though, to describe his delivery was more like he was extremely real. And I remember he stood up and he said, I've been a preacher all my life. We raised our kids. But he said when we raised our grandson, he didn't want to go to church. That's kind of the way he delivered it. He didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And so he said it moved me to the point that my wife and I began to study why people didn't want to go to church. Why people were rejecting Christ. And he said for years we did this research and we tried to go knocking on doors and asking people, why do you not go to church? And he said the answer never occurred to me. For years I never stopped to consider the reason people weren't going to church and the reason people were rejecting Jesus was because of people like me. People who weren't living the life they claimed they were living. I, you know, I, I sat there and I listened and, and I struggled a little bit. I thought, no, come on, you probably have done a pretty good job living the life. Do you think you've done a pretty good job living the life? Do, do you think there are people who would, who would not want to go to church Because of what they've seen in your life? Do you ever feel like you have times when you put on a mask and you take it off and lay it down?
Would you say, Rick, I think I understand the whole deal about the mask because I think there's times in my life when I wear one. Is there anybody that would say, I often wear masks on Sundays? Between 10.15 and 12.15. Because I'm not comfortable everybody knowing what's behind the mask. I don't really want everybody to see my true identity. Some days I'm Zorro, man. I'm the Lone Ranger out here. And sometimes I hide by an image that I try to project. And that's what Jesus is struggling with. He says that is hypocritical. I um, I got up this morning and um, I was getting ready for church and so the shirt I was going to put on really kind of needed touching up a little bit with an iron and so I went in our laundry room and I got the ironing board out and and I was ironing my shirt because I don't have anybody at my house to iron my clothes for me I. Uh, <laughs> That's not really true. It was just I was in a hurry kind of thing. We were both in a hurry. And I'm and I'm and I'm uh, and I'm there over that ironing board. Um, and uh, and I was honest with God and just said, "This is a hard series, Lord. You know, you're you're hearing about it right now. I've been." planning it for a few months and and I've really been living heavy with it this past week. And it's it's convicting. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I think sometimes I do things that are hypocritical. You understand that hypocritical behavior is sin. But you also understand that not all, not all, rather, I really messed that up. You understand, though, that all sinners are not hypocrites. There's some sinners who are just open about who they are. It seems like those of us in the church are the ones who tend to struggle with hypocrisy. I, I think about over the years when my girls grew up in our house and, and, and they saw me preach every Sunday... And then they watched me live my life all week long. I kind of had this one thing I would do with my kids. I would, I would not want to tell them what to do. I would want to let them know what my wishes were. And then I would want them to do it because they knew I wanted them to. But then when they didn't do it, I would kind of pout. And sometimes they called me out on it. And finally they just got disgusted with it because self-pity is not an appealing attribute. And I probably wouldn't be bringing it up if it wasn't 
something that has been a big deal in our relationships, but it has been a big deal. And then on Sunday mornings, they would go to church and they would listen to me preach and they would hear me preach about this great doctrine of holiness that I love, where I talked about selflessness and abandoning selfishness and no longer being focused on myself. And then they would watch me in my self-pity. I think about the times that I was busy. I was really busy in life and my girls were acting out and I didn't want to have to stop and discipline them. And so I tended to discipline them in those moments out of frustration more than out of love. And they knew the difference. And so this morning over the ironing board, I'm kind of dealing with it and struggling and saying, you know, God... What is the view that my daughters have of a Christian man? And are they drawn to Christianity because of me? You know what I'm saying? What what did they see in my life? I thought about the times that I've gotten up on Sunday morning and I have, you know, just railed from the pulpit at people like you saying you have got to be concerned about lost people. You must share your faith. You must engage in faith conversations. Don't you care that people are dying without God? And over the ironing board, I begin to tally up the amount of energy I spent this week being concerned for lost people. The easiest thing we will ever do is become hypocritical. While everybody watches. And Jesus, mild, meek Jesus, rails against hypocrisy. And he calls us to throw down the mask. And he calls us to authenticity. Joanna, you're nearby. Come, will you? And sing this song. Um, I think when Joanna sings, it, it may be that you and I will see ourselves in the song. And then after Joanna sings, um, we are going to receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in regard to this idea of hypocrisy. So just, you know, allow God, um, allow His Holy Spirit just to move in your hearts in these moments. Uh, Be very open in this time as you listen to these words. Hiding my heartache 
been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.